Good morning. I'm going to talk for a little while here to get the thumbs up from Luke if we see how okay, we're good. We were having technical difficulties there for a second, but we seem to be good now. Well, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? Good, good. You know, I was thinking about Thanksgiving, and there seems to be a, a friendly alliteration that lends itself to Thanksgivings. Uh, the, the four F's of Thanksgiving. You got what? Family? Friends? You got to have food. And for many of us, it's what? There's some football in there somewhere usually. So, see the guys nodding their head in the back of the room. That's right. There's some football in there somewhere. I enjoy watching the Cowboys lose. and Too bad. <laughs> Just something personal, I guess. But too bad they won. But other than that, it was a pretty good Thanksgiving. Pretty good Thanksgiving. But we left out the most important part, didn't we? The best part about Thanksgiving. What should be the best part? The central part of Thanksgiving. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. All right. Good. That's exactly right. Being thankful. Stopping. Taking a moment. And showing appreciation. Isn't that good? You know, I think we had a good dose of that this morning. Appreciate the brothers were saying, you know, this is good to give thanks. It is, isn't it? It's sad today because so many people, you go to work and neighbors and they say, I hope you had a good turkey day. I oh, mean, that's sad, you know? We have a recognized national holiday and they call it Turkey Day. We've forgotten how to give thanks. Giving thanks is older than the pilgrims and Indians. Even though they did do it, it looks like, it's older than them. For centuries, probably thousands of years, people have been stopping and giving thanks for the, for the, for the blessings they have, for a bountiful harvest. We should remember to give thanks for the Lord. We should remember to give thanks, if for no other reason, than, than for the beneficial effect it has on us. I appreciate it. And we are breaking bread and we're appreciating the Lord this morning. I heard people just start to say part of my message today. And that was that part. What's the beneficial aspects of giving? Doesn't it have a positive, a good, a good effect on you and you're thankful? Think about it. You're thinking about others. And you're appreciating them for who they are and what they've done. You're not focusing on yourself. You're thinking about how much you have. It's much more than you deserve, Right? And you're appreciative. And you're not thinking about what you don't have. Or if you don't have as much as you think you deserve. You're happy. You're joyful. You're blessed. It's one of those times in your life where, to me, it's a holy time. It really is. It's a separate time. Think about those situations. Maybe it's a situation at work and you're really thankful. I've been in plenty of situations at work. I'll just admit it. I blew it. John is, John, he's not his head for me too. He's probably not his head for him. Been in situations where you just blew it. I've blown it. I go, Lord, you got to help me or I'm sunk. I don't know how to get out of this one. You know? And the Lord will move the USDA or the FDA or the FedEx truck or something will happen. And, and people go, wow, that's weird. That never happens. My God did that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe another situation. Maybe it's a loved one. 
Maybe they're going through a trying time and it really burdens your heart. And then you see them delivered through it. And they're better on the other side than when they went in. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for dealing, working in their life. Thank you for delivering them through the situation. Maybe it's a health crisis. For some here, it's been cancer. Maybe it's a near-death experience. You know, I've fallen asleep on the Dumbarton Bridge and woke up on the old bridge. It ought to be a time of thankfulness right there. Wow, Lord, thank you. Thank you. To me, it's one of the holiest of times because it gives us a chance not to think about, our, about ourselves, but to give appreciation to the Lord. It's a good time. It's good for us and it's good for those who are around us. Makes us in the people we ought to be. Appreciative. Thinking of others. Not self. Think about those times in your life when you're the most thankful. Someone did something for you. You were delivered through a situation. Something happened. And you just, oh. Isn't it joy to spill your heart? You focused on someone else, self, that sense of appreciation and being blessed. Made you happy, didn't it? Brought joy to your heart. I wondered if I thought about that and I thought about this message. Wouldn't that be cool to have that life all the time? Can we live a life that thankfulness is there? That appreciation, that sense of joy, that sense of focusing on someone else and not ourselves. And I have to confess, after this, the rest of this message is basically between me and the Lord. Y'all just listening in. This is how the Lord speaking to me in my life of what I need to do. And if you, if you get uh, affected by it, the Lord uses it in your life. Praise the Lord. But what would it be like if you had a life, not just a day. Okay, we gave thanks last Thursday. What about a life of thankfulness? What would that be like? Well, it would be more of the same, wouldn't it? How about a life dominated with that joy all the time? A life with a primary and consistent focus on others and not on ourself. A life bent on showing appreciation. Blessing others because you've been so blessed. Can we live that life? Is that possible to have that type of life? I think it is. I think of those who have been saved from medical difficulties. You see those who have been saved, say, for instance, breast cancer. You can hardly turn on the TV or walk anywhere. You'll see something pink somewhere, right? And they're remembering cancer and breast cancer. People who have been saved from cancer or near-death experiences, they wake up every morning, and what are they thinking? I got a breath. I got life. I didn't have before. Wow. They're appreciative. They're thankful. Think of others who are saved, whether it be out of a Cypress structure from a doctor or from a New York fireman on 9-11. You think those people wake up every day the same? 
I don't think so. I think many of them are different. Many of them wake up going, this is a gift. This is borrowed time. And they're appreciative. Every breath, every heartbeat is more than we deserve. But think about that. Now here, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to lose you a little bit. I feel pretty confident seeing mostly believers here that I've, I've known and love. We have something more here. Bigger than being delivered from cancer. Greater than near-death experiences. We have the same, if not better, situation here. Everyone personally saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. You have the same situation in your life and the same opportunity to live a life of thankfulness. You were in rebellion against God. And, and still, he gave you everything that you have. Every blessing, every heartbeat, every breath, every relationship, every material thing, every meal, all of it coming from him while you were in rebellion against him. Despite your science, God blessed you even though you refused to see who he was and you didn't want to know about your need for him. He still blessed you. As you continued in your disobedience, the Lord orchestrated the circumstances of your life to wake you up, to cause you to see, wow, I'm a sinner. (laughs) I'm in trouble. I know for me it was five funerals and four years of high school. Our class valedictorian, a 17-year-old cross-country runner, falling down dead in his bedroom one night. No understanding why. No explanation why. But that wasn't enough. My dad died at 44. 44 keeps getting younger and younger every year. He died at 44. Again, they couldn't explain why. They saw the symptoms. Couldn't explain what happened, really. God used that in my life to show me my sin. What was I headed for? I was a sinner separated from God. He can't ignore it anymore, Charlie. Wake up. And you know what? I got scared. And I think that's the first thing you got to realize. If you don't know the Lord, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you need to learn to you need to learn what it means to fear the Lord. The Lord says, "Don't fear him who can destroy your body. Don't worry about the mugger or the thief or the guy, the bad guy out there. Fear him who after the body's destroyed, can cast your soul into hell. I say to you, fear him. The Lord Jesus showed me where I was going. He showed us all where we were going, didn't he? You're headed toward an eternity of pain. Your life is not going to be that good. And by the way, it gets worse after. An eternity of pain. You know what hell is? It's a real simple. We use the word hell. It's it's used occasionally in scripture. But the idea is this. You're separated from God. We're all here. We enjoy God's blessings. We got a roof over our heads. It's looking a little tattered. But it's okay. It's, it's a roof. We got heat. Right? I'm feeling pretty comfortable. Hopefully y'all aren't too comfortable starting to fall asleep. Okay? You probably had a good meal this morning. If not, you're probably going to have one for lunch. Right? You enjoy his, his light, his sense of well-being. All gifts from God. Hell is God takes it all away. What are you left with? You're left with darkness. You're left with pain. 
unending, forever. Torment and anguish that never stops. For those of us here who know the Lord, aren't you glad he woke you up to that reality? Aren't you glad he opened your eyes and showed you that? I could get cancer and and die. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is what comes afterwards. After all this, once you finally realize you were saved, him having a God in the world, Jesus showed you how much he loved you personally. He died for you. And you know, if there was no one else in the whole world that needed dying for, he would, he, he would die for you. He would die for you. He could die for you. And he did die for you. To show us his love. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God, Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, and not while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In rebellion, enemies, and Jesus dies for you. Wow. That should just take our breath away every morning. That's better than the cure from cancer, folks. Dear believers, that's the cure of the cancer of eternity. He saved you and me from being separated from him for eternity. He saved us from an eternity of an eternity of terrible to endless terrific. From being ever alone to being what? Never alone. From the most painful to the most blissful. From the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. Lord Jesus saved you and me to know him, to serve him, and to follow him. If there is ever a reason anyone had to live a life of thankfulness, I think it's us. Amen? Amen. We can live a daily life like this. We should live a daily life like this. Waking up each morning. I like the way it was described. I was watching a special the other day, and he said, he said one man was saying about another, you know he wakes up without an alarm clock. You know, and what he meant by that? I didn't know what he meant by that. And he explained, he says, you know, he's just so glad to get up and go start his day. You know? Every situation the Lord brings along, every person, every relationship, as we were saying this morning, in everything, give thanks. Why? I'm not in hell. Woo! There you go. Let's start there. Right? That's pretty good. And what? I'm with Jesus. Wow. I can walk with Jesus. I can talk to him. He listens to me. He helps me through situations. I tell you, I've been through situations. I said, that was the Lord. Certainly wasn't me, and no one else could have done it. That was the Lord Jesus. Keep an eye on Mr. Bruton. I'll make sure he doesn't fall over asleep. Lord, we thank you for our brother Bob, a good example of what we're talking about today.
there's something to compete with in preaching and the whole fire fire alarm <laughs> add some emphasis to the message talking about a life of thankfulness if anyone wants to be thankful we are that brother we just rolled out there he's lived a life of thankfulness for the lord he's lived it in service to the lord if you ask him how, how do you feel he's all well, i'm here aren't i and he, was, he said it with a smile on his face. He was glad to be here. Glad to be with the Lord and be with his people. What would, it live, what would it look like to live a life of thankfulness? Would it be a life that would just be in these four walls, kind of in a cloister or a commune, where we would praise, praise the Lord and sing praises? Is that what it would look like? Yeah, I don't think so. I think a life of thankfulness would look like the one who gave his life for us our life would look like his life and how he lived it. Momentarily living for the Father, living in communion with the Father, consistently doing the things that please him. I think Paul's life was like this. Look at Paul's life in the New Testament. Man, he was on the go from thing to thing to thing to thing. Serving, worshiping God with his life, showing a life of thankfulness. I tried to count how many times the word think or thanksgiving or thankfulness is in the epistles by Paul? I'll just be honest, I lost count. A lot of times he was just thankful to be in the ministry, especially given his background. So what I'd like to do is just take some stories from Scripture to look at different aspects of a life of thanksgiving. Let's look at Luke chapter 17. After all that introduction, all that time, I never gave you a Bible verse, did I? Bad sign of a bad preacher. Luke 17, verse 11. I confess, I love this guy. I, I cherry-pick my passages of topical messages. I pick, some, I pick some ones I really love. These are two passages together. We're going to do them in reverse order. So we're going to start with Luke 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest, to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. If you don't take anything out of this morning's message, then this. Please take this to heart. Do you think the Lord pays attention to when we give thanks or not? Do you think he notices? Here you see him noticing, right? He sees one guy. Wait, I can do the math here. Ten left. One came back. By the way, what's the percentage on that? It's 10%. That's a pretty paltry percentage in anything that you're doing, right? 10%? How low is that? 
Does the Lord notice when we're not thankful? You know? I do that with my kids sometimes. I'll do something for them, hand them something as they're walking away. You're welcome. <laughs> we notice, don't we? Now we're a little more appropriate, a little more subtle, or maybe a little, a little more just letting it go with each other. As adults, we don't want to shame each other. But we notice when people don't give thanks. Don't we? And we'll talk about that in the next passage and how we probably need to set that aside. But the Lord notices. In Romans 1, God's giving his right and just assessment of who we are as sinners. And, says that, and he says, we knew that it was God. And we didn't, but we didn't glorify him as God. And what? Nor were we thankful. God is looking for some appreciation. Do you think he deserves it? He does, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? And here, the Lord Jesus is seeing this. You see in Luke 17, there's 10 guys have left, right? Or excuse me, 10 guys who have leprosy. According to the law, they can't stay with anyone. They're supposed to be out and alone, okay? There's sin separating them, okay? Separated from their families. The best they can do is what? <laughs> with each other. You kind of notice that? What happens when you have leprosy? Oh, the Samaritans. You deal with Samaritans, they're half-breeds. You know, they're not full-blooded. They're half this, half Jew, half Gentile, half we don't know what. And the Jews despise them. But you know what? You got leprosy. You're all on the same, you're on the same playing ground. All of a sudden, everyone's buddies, right? So as the Lord traveled through this area, he saw a mixed group. They, like, our, like us, had nothing to live for. We with our sin, they with their leprosy. All they have is each other. And they're watching each other rotting away. First their skin, then their flesh, down to their bones. Rotting away for this disease until they die. It's like us, the sinners, isn't it? We are rotting away. No good to God. Really no good to many others. Without Jesus. And that's it, isn't it? He's the same answer for them as he was for us. Jesus. Now, if you look at what they say, it doesn't seem like they know a whole lot about Jesus. The request is kind of vague. Jesus, have mercy on us. But you know what? They aimed it in the right direction. Right? They aimed it in the right direction. They reached out in faith to Jesus. And they were willing to obey him. It's a, it's a funny thing there. There's a whole half chapter in Leviticus about what a priest is supposed to do recognizing someone who has been healed of leprosy. Okay, they've been healed, but they haven't been cleansed, ceremonially cleansed. There's a ritual they had to go through. That's kind of interesting. You take a couple of birds and one dies and you dip the blood in the, other one, in the, the blood of the other bird and you let that bird go free. Kind of interesting what the Lord does with us, huh? Because he dies, we're set free. There's a whole chapter, excuse me, half chapter in Leviticus. You know what the priest would have to do when those ten guys show up? You'd have what happen to you? You want me to do what? Hold on, I think it's there somewhere. Here goes all the dust in that chapter. They never looked at that chapter. No one ever got healed. Like we just saw with Naaman, the Syrian. He was the one, not even an Israelite, compelled to do that ritual, who got healed. 
But here these ten guys go. They're willing to obey Jesus. I'm about to preach. They've got to figure it out when I get there. If they don't know what they're doing, we're going. And all of a sudden, you know, I try to imagine what it would be to have leprosy. Take your flu, your migraine, your worst muscle cramps, leg cramps, stomach cramps, everything, and put it all in one lump sum. And imagine trying to live like that. That's the best I could do, best I can think of, because your whole body is being attacked at every level. You're walking like this, and you're in constant pain all the time. All of a sudden, you're completely healed. Wow! Wow! Look, and you get ten guys, right? It's a party. Look, we're healed. Look, you're healed. You look a lot better. Not that you're not great looking now, but you look a lot better than you used to. You can see what each other looks like. That's what you're like. You're completely healed. Ten guys like that. And I think it happened as they were walking. I don't think they got very far. I don't think Jesus made them walk two days to see healing. I think as soon as they showed some obedience... The Lord healed him. You see? You follow the, th- the flow, the passage here. But what happened? Ten guys. That's 10%. Ten guys, one of them comes back. That's 10%. Let me throw a challenge out here to the audience. You know, it's often been said that in an audience like this, that maybe there's 10% who are really listening. They're not thinking of that text message they need to write. They're not thinking about that activity after service today, what they're going to have for lunch. They're actually listening. Okay? And I'll go on to say, I would say of that 10%, 10% of them will take something away from the Word of God today that would change their lives and lives be permanently changed. By the way, what's 10% of 10%? 1%. We got about, I don't know, we had about 60 to 80 people. We're missing a few now. Are you going to be that one person who's going to walk away today with the word of God changing their lives? Challenge yourself with that. Try to challenge myself with that as well. Here this one guy comes back. He's a minority. That's the best way to describe I call him a minority. Why? Well, he's one out of ten. That makes you a minority. And he's a Samaritan. A half-breed. Do you ever wonder about that? Who seems to appreciate the things of God the most? It's usually those who are the furthest away, huh? Now, I challenge all the people growing up in a Christian home. I challenge all the people who are here who have been around the things of the Lord for, like me, decades now. How's your thankfulness? How's your appreciation of the Lord? Are you taking Him for granted? Is He just as fresh and it warms your heart today as he did then. I tell you, I've met some dear elderly saints and I, pff, I love them. Because I can tell in their heart and mind, he's not as precious, he's more precious than the first day they met him. They really appreciate him. This guy was a Samaritan. And oftentimes that's the case. Those who are furthest away have the greatest appreciation. Now, some of you who are sticklers will look at this passage and say, well, wait a second. He was told to go to the priest. He actually didn't obey, did he? Hmm. We got a problem there. 
We have expression at work. It's called what? Here's the box. And where do you need to work? Outside the box. Appreciate my wife. She says, that's a nice expression, Charlie. What does it mean? It means here's the normal way of doing Extraordinary means are necessary to get something done. Did this guy obey the Lord? Tell me, did he obey the Lord? Did he? Did he go to the priest? No, he never made it. I don't know if he ever made it to the priest. Maybe he did afterwards. It's not that he disobeyed the Lord. That's not the point. The point is, he knew he was healed by the Lord. He knew the most important thing he could do right then and there was go back. Was go back and give thanks to the Lord. You can imagine the ten guys walking together. Here's the Samaritan going, Ho, ho, ho! You see that? Wow! And he starts, come on, guys, we got to... And what happens? He wants to go back. Maybe he made it 100 yards. Maybe he made it a quarter mile. I don't know. Maybe it's two miles. He wants to go back. Now, what happens with the other nine guys? What always happens when it's going to take you a little extra effort to do something? It's excuses, right? It's excuses. Well, I've got to get to my family. I've got to get back. You know how much I've missed my family? Family time I've missed? I've got to get back to them. Oh, I've got to, I'm glad to be healed, but I've got to get to work. You know, I've got bills to pay, houses to pay for. I've got things to do. I've got to get back to work. You see? We always have a good, and they sound really good. Good excuse. Hey, family. Nothing wrong with family. Nothing wrong with the job. What's the Lord expecting? He's expecting us to work outside of the box and say, you know what? I need to go thank Jesus. I need to do something different. Something extraordinary. Something extraordinary has happened to me. I need to show him extraordinary appreciation. You see what this guy comes back and does? He makes it all the way back throws himself down at the feet of Jesus and with a loud voice glorifies God. Do we have opportunities like that today to show Jesus how much we love him? For you and I to give him the appreciation he deserves? I think so. But guess what? First of all, expect to be the minority. You can't wait for other people to do it. We have, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 people in this room. You can't wait for the other ones. You got to just go do it. And it's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. I had one brother talk to me and he says, you know what, Charlie? You pushed me out of my comfort zone. Way out of my comfort zone. You know, and if that's the Lord, I'm glad. I don't want it to be me. I want it to be the Lord. What's the, what's the comfort zone the Lord wants you to work out of? You know, he was expected, they were expected to go do something else. This is where I stay. Right here is where I'm comfortable. Jesus wants you out here showing real thankful love to him. What is it? Maybe it's a farmer's market. I'm going to tell you right now, I appreciate four or five brothers who've 
committed themselves to reaching out to the farmers. Mark get up at Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., you know, and you want to talk about being a minority. We show up at the farmer's market. We don't even speak the language, you know, and it's just down the street here. It's not far at all, you know, and we pass out things and we do the best we can. And we know that English is the common language, you know, but I appreciate those brothers who are committed to that. They make it their priority and they commit to it. What is it? What does the Lord want to do in your life outside of your comfort zone? Maybe it's a farmer's market in your city. Maybe it's that idea he put on your heart to do something for him. Well, maybe I could dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. But it's going to take some time. And, and, and maybe no one's going to want to help me. Or worst of all, maybe I'll fail. Can, can I present an option? If you fail... At, at showing extraordinary love to Jesus, you haven't failed. There's no way of failing in that option. Even the thing doesn't work out. I gave it a shot, Lord. I must have been off base. It didn't work out. I'm sorry. Where's the Lord's heart when he sees that? Good job. Yeah, that's not quite what I had in mind. Maybe if you would listen to this over here, to whatever. Good job. Good try. That's where I wanted to start you off with, but here's where I really want you. But until you were willing to try, I couldn't get your attention. You don't fail when you serve me. I always appreciate what you do out of love for me. You ever have those conflicts in your heart, mind? Nah, you Better to be safe and not bring it up. This idea is just too far out there. You know, if the Lord wants it done, I'm sure he'll, he'll move someone else to do it. Right? <laughs> Taking our mind, we just put on someone else's shoulders <laughs> to serve the Lord that way. Now, some, sometimes I think the, the saints are wanting to see how the leadership, how the Lord's leading the leadership. And sometimes I think the, the leadership is wanting to see how the Lord's working in the saints' lives. Do you see those two disconnects? Sometimes I'm wondering if the Lord's just waiting for someone to show appreciation to him and step out and do something. Like this guy. He walked back all by himself. Yeah, I'll get to the priest if the Lord still wants me to do that, but look what you did, Lord. This is awesome. And he shows thankfulness. Our thankfulness needs to be like the Samaritans. Even if it's alone, it doesn't directly conform to what others think we should be doing. It works outside the box. It shows thankful love to him. Okay, one more, one more passage. Right above it, Luke 7. Excuse me, Luke 17, verse 7. Luke 17, verse 7. And which of you having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field... Come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for me and serve me. Excuse me, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward, drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the, the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you have commanded, which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. 
We have done what was our duty to do. Yeah, this is another story. I think it can be confusing to people. It's a, it's a little almost off-putting. It almost sounds callous. But I think it has invaluable lessons in serving the Lord with thankfulness. Here we have a master and a servant, right? And the servant there means what? It means slave. It means slave. Okay? Someone who's owned by another. Did you know you're a slave? You were a slave of sin and Satan. And then the Son sets you free, and you're free indeed. But are you free to live your own life? Or now have you been bought with a price, and you are Christ's? You're his slave. Let me tell you right now, brothers and sisters, there is no better job. There is no better position in all of eternity than that job of being Christ's slave. And that's what you see here. Jesus saved us so that we might serve him. And this is the attitude he expects us to have, that it's a privilege. You see this servant, he's, he's worked in the field, he's tending sheep, and sometimes tending sheep, you know, I don't think it's so easy sometimes, right? They used to go wandering off, you got to go find them, you got wolves going on, you got you to clean them, you know, you got to shear them, not to mention plowing the field. You got a big plow and these big animals pulling it, you got to get a rock, you got to get up and get the rock, it could be a long day, hard work. And Jesus says, which of you having a servant who's worked like that? When he shows up, you say to the slave, the servant, oh, that's okay, you go out and eat and drink first. You first. Mm-mm. You don't say that. Why not? Why wouldn't you say that to the servant? It's like PG&E, right? Thank you for turning the, keeping the lights on. Did we thank him for that on the way here? How about the street lights? Did we thank him for that? Thank you for the street lights, city of Fremont. San Leandro, Castro Valley. No. Why? That's their job. It's their job to have those things on. Jesus is our master, and we're his servants, his slaves. And gladly. It's a privilege. I think the angels look down at us and they go, wow, these guys don't know how good they got it. You know? They don't know how good they got it. But I think another reason why the Lord Jesus wants us to have this mindset of a privilege of it is to serve him. You can just imagine the servant. If he's got a good attitude, here he is. He's running in from the field. What's that? What's that, Lord? Steak? Potatoes? I'm getting right on it. You want, you want a cup of wine with that? I'll be right there. I'm going to go slaughter the cow first. I'll be right there. Who has that attitude? Who would ever have that attitude? Only someone who is incredibly grateful someone who has a master who's impeccable and privileged to serve that's the Lord Jesus that's who he is that's our relationship with him and the other thing here is I don't think Jesus is asking us to do anything he's not willing to do himself Jesus is the servant he's the servant of the Lord if you ever think you're busy we use that expression oh I know we're all just so busy which I don't know if I believe in that 
Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If we're so busy, it's something we're doing. It's not from him. The Lord Jesus is that servant of the Lord. He's the one. Read, read the book of Mark. He's going and going. He does this in the morning. And Jesus got interruptions to his interruptions to his interruptions. Right? And at the end of the day, when you and I would be completely exhausted, what happens? The whole city shows up at the door to be healed. Now, I know what I would do if it was me. Okay, all y'all go home. We'll pick this up in the morning. Right? Or you're all healed. Done. Go away. <laughs> Didn't be that. He goes and heals each one. I'm willing. Be cleansed. He touches each one. Why? That's who he is. He's that servant. It was his, if I can use that expression, reverently privilege to serve the Father. His joy. The delight of his heart. And what does he say? I'm going to bring you into that relationship. I'm going to allow you to be that servant running from the field saying, Dinner. I'm on it. Coming in from the field, working hard all day. You see? And then the next thing I think is so important. Verse 9. Does he, the master, thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. There, I think, is one of the biggest stumbling blocks we can have in serving. If you serve to be appreciated, to be thanked, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. Oh, Charlie, that doesn't seem very fair. I worked really hard. Shouldn't people care? Doesn't, doesn't it say you should be thankful and show appreciation? Yes. If you're the recipient, you should be thankful. When you're the one serving, the Lord Jesus tells us to have. And if you do that, you know what? You save yourself so, from so many pitfalls. Who can really appreciate how much you've served the Lord? I can't. No one else can. No, the one person can. The one who says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Wow. But that's what we're looking forward to. And only one can give that assessment. And that'll happen when we see him. In the meantime, he says this. Don't look for thankfulness. If you get a chance to be thankful, be thankful to other people. But don't serve looking for thankfulness. Whether that be praise, whether that be monetary gifts, whether that be uh, anything on this earth. Don't serve with that in mind. Why? He goes on to say, So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. Unprofitable there means useless. We just, I, I, I'm, I'm no benefit. Useless sounds a little off-putting, doesn't it? What's it mean? I haven't done anything more than I needed to do. But wait, I worked all day in the field and I came home and made dinner? Yep. That's what the Lord asked you to do. You just did what he asked you to do. Let's keep it in relative comparison. Look what the Lord Jesus did. Look what the Lord Jesus did. He died for us. He served us in ways we never could have. So it says, likewise, when you've done all these things, to say, I've just done what I've been told. I, you know, I liked about that. It's like the proverbial police officer when they helps the lady in distress and she's real thankful. What does he say? Just do my job, ma'am. 
best guard, your best thing that serves you in being thankful, living a thankful life. Don't look for appreciation. Serve the Lord as a privilege and be glad that you made Say that every night before he went to bed. Lord, did I make you happy today? And then he would go through the day with the Lord. I'm sure there's some things that didn't make the Lord happy. I'm sure there's some things that did. There's your appreciation right where it ought to be. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to thank you. We want to thank you for your love for us. Thank you that we can live not just a day, but a life of thankfulness. When we stop and think of who you are and what you've done for us, we just want to say we love you. We appreciate you. And we have a desire to live a life of thankfulness. So, Lord, help us. Help us to learn from the Samaritan, to not wait for others, to not make excuses, to love you, as it were, out of the box, to show our appreciation for you, even though it might not conform to others around us. Help us not to make excuses, but to really serve you the way you deserve. And Lord, we pray you'd help us as we do that, not to be doing it for appreciation, not to be doing it, as it were, for compensation in this life, but to be doing it out of love for you. What a privilege it is to serve you. We thank you for your exhortation today that we should do these things knowing it's just our duty to do them it's just doing our job for a wonderful master as we're your servants lord we again pray for our brother bob we thank you for his love for you and how he has lived his life this way lord may all of us in this room follow after that pattern of living a life of thankfulness for you similar to what he did We thank you. We pray you would use your word in our lives today. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.